0: The opposite of happy is sad. And I think that many times when we look at our world today, we see many things to be sad about. Many of them are material things, but sometimes life is also kind of sad. We look out in our world today and we can see many things that trouble a lot of us. You go to the grocery store and you spend a lot more money just now than you did just not too long ago just to buy groceries or the necessities that you need in life. You stop at the gas station and it costs you twice as much as it used to or almost. You turn on the news and you see people doing things to people that is unbelievable. You see people that have to leave their homes. Flee for their lives. Families separated because of what people are doing to each other. And then we talk about sickness, death, and things that take place in this life. But here in this passage of Scripture it says, Happy is he whose help is the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Sometimes in this life, we look at it the wrong way. We look at all the things that affect us physically. And we forget about the spiritual things that God has blessed us with. Happy, when we look at that word, it means notably well-adapted or fitting. Enjoying well-being and content. Marked by an atmosphere of good fellowship. When we talk about our relationship with God, are we content? Do we have that fellowship that is good in the sight of God? Are we walking in the light as He is in the light? Are we living our life to please Him? Because you see that in this life we were created to serve God. That's what God put us here for. And only man is the the only thing that violates what God put us here to do. The things of nature do what God created them to do. but man, God created man to do good things and to live a life in service to Him and we violate that. Well, the majority violate that. And sometimes when we look at our lives, we want to make an impression. We want people to remember us. And I think that as we look in the Bible, we can see individuals that lived a life that made a difference in this world. It made a life, a difference in the life of people that were around them. And the sad reality is that it won't take very many generations before you're forgotten. That's kind of sad to think, isn't it? But how many of us talk about our great-grandfathers or great-great-grandfathers? And how many of us even know their names? So you see, it is very simple that we can be forgotten fairly quickly. But the work that we do, the things that we accomplish in this life, can have an impact on this world long after we're gone. And so, this morning, I want us to look at some individuals, several different individuals, and I really wish that I had time to read all the passages of the scriptures that I would love to read this morning. But we might be here until the evening service. And I probably would hear about that some from some. But I want us to look at the individuals that God used. And they used what they had. And it made an impact on people. And it's a lesson that we can learn from each one of these situations that we see in their lives. And first of all, I want us to look at what Jesus did with a multitude with just a meager meal that a young lad had. You see, Jesus allowed that little lad who had five loaves and two fishes to make a difference in the world. Because I think that the message that we see in John chapter 6 verses 1 through 15 where Jesus fed a multitude with that small meal is that Jesus wanted everyone to know that with a little bit, it becomes much when it's placed in the hands of the Master. When it's placed in God's hands. You don't have to be some superstar in order to accomplish great things. That small talent that you have, that small thing that you have in your life can be something great or something big that not only can impact people in your life, but it can have an impact on people on down the road. For generation after generation after generation. Because you see, if you teach the Gospel to someone, that may seem simple, but that individual may teach it to their family, and that family may teach it to their family, and so on and so forth, and the Gospel would continue on. The small things sometimes can be made into big things when we use it or we place it in God's care. When we trust Him. Jesus wanted everyone to remember that that little lad would use... what He used would challenge... Millions. And we're still talking about that example today. We read about it in the Bible. Why? How many years ago did that happen? 2,000 years ago? But yet we're still talking about it today. And as long as, the, as, as God's Word stands, as long as this earth stands, it will continue to be spoken about throughout the, the rest of the existence of this world. That's how important that little meal was. And I'm sure that when he brought it, it was for himself. Maybe some friends that he had. But who would have thought that that little meal would have fed 5,000 people? Jesus wanted everyone to believe that that lad's lunch would be sufficient to feed 5,000. And when completely given over to the Lord in His control, it did that very thing. That's a lesson for us. That that little bit that we have can accomplish great things if we will allow it to do so. If we will give it to God and allow Him to use that with us to accomplish great things. We can look at another example, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3 verse, uh, in verse 12, we see where they're, they're uh, followers of what God wants them to do. And the Lord used those friends of Daniel because they were willing to die for the Lord. That says a lot about that individual and it should say a lot about us. Are we willing to die? You see, sometimes we talk about it. Sometimes we say we would. But when push comes to shove, how many of us would really give our lives for Christ? You think about those individuals that are fleeing. How many of that are staying behind to fight for their country? How many of us would do that? i seen a poll that said that a majority of certain people, a certain group, didn't think that America was worth fighting for. I ask us how many of us are worth standing up for Christ? Holding up His banner? Sacrificing our life? You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were willing to do that. If you have your Bible, turn over to Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 16. Because it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will... Deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which which thou hast set up. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had made a decision long before this that they were going to serve God. That they were going to serve God no matter what the purpose was. No matter what was the consequences were going to be. And we see here that they're facing death by being placed in that fiery furnace. And we know that the furnace was fire and it was hot And because the people that threw them in, that fire consumed them. They were willing to sacrifice their life. And the Lord used those three young men because they were willing to bring glory to God. Even in their deaths, even in their suffering of public humiliation, they were willing to stand up and do what was right. we can look at another example with Caleb. The Lord used Caleb because he believed God for his promises. He believed what God had told them. And the question is, do we believe what God tells us? Do we believe the promises that He's made to us? When He says, happy is a man that has the Lord as His help and God as His hope, or the Lord as His hope and God as His help... Do we believe that? Caleb and Joshua are remembered because they exhibited great faith, great courage, and obedience to God. They realized God's purpose and advanced His influence. Because when they went in and they spied out that land... That promised land that God had promised them, they came back with a good report. And they were willing to go in and conquer it. And Caleb was willing to to be sent into that dangerous situation. And we can read about that in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 6. Caleb was saved from death and destruction by. God Himself in Numbers chapter 14. You see, the people wanted to stone Him because He was telling them that they could take the land. That they could go in and do it. And He was doing what was right. Him and Joshua both. But the people didn't like that message because they saw it as something that they were afraid to go in. In Numbers chapter 14, beginning in verse 5, it says, "...And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces..." before the congregation of the children of Israel. In verse 6 it says, Joshua and Caleb rent their clothes. And then down in verse 7 it says, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither, neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bread for us. Their defenses have departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. That took courage to stand up and say what people needed to hear. Young people, I want to encourage you today that when you have an opportunity to stand up and say what needs to be said... Even though the world may not want to hear it, I hope that you have the courage to stand up and do what's right. And as older people, we need to have that same courage. Because there's things that go on in this world that needs to be stood up against. Because we see the world going into sin further and further every day. And what are we doing? Are we taking that gospel message to the world? Are we being that light? Are we standing up and and saying, this is wrong, we can't do that? Or are we just going with the flow that as long as everything is comfortable, we're all right? Well, Caleb was saying, "Guess what? Things aren't going to be comfortable. But guess what? We can take that land. Why? Because the Lord is with us. Him and Joshua were the only two, besides even below, or above the age of nineteen, that were able to go into the Promised Land because of their faith, their trust." Their courage that they had in God. then notice in numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. listen to what it says, "But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit in him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into he went, and his seed shall possess it." Caleb's now an old man. 85 years old. But can you find a greater compliment that's said in the Bible concerning Caleb than what is said in that passage of Scripture? That's God speaking. His servant. God considered him His servant. You see, a lot of people claim that they're servants of God. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But when God says it, that's something to behold. And how many of us would God say that we are His servant? That we have a different spirit in us? Because He followed Him fully. Do we follow God wholeheartedly? Or is it when it's convenient? It goes on, verse 12, Joshua chapter 14, verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain. I love that passage of Scripture where Caleb says that to Moses. Give me this mountain. Now I know some some translations say hills. But if you've ever been on top of a hill and somebody's trying to take that hill, it's still a challenge. And if you can make mountains out of molehills, as I said in class this morning, guess what? This is a mountain. Because who's on that mountain? He goes on, whereof... The Lord spake in that day that thou heardest in that day how that the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me and then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Caleb all the way back there in the beginning when they spied out the land said, we can take it, we can go in. And because everyone else said, besides Joshua said we can't, they weren't allowed to go in for 40 years. Imagine having to wander around with a bunch of doubters for 40 years. And then the time comes where you can go in and what do you want? Do you want an easy path? No, I want to go where those people that scared everybody else, I want to go there. Because the Anakins were the giants that everybody had noticed and compared themselves to grasshoppers. And so Caleb says, give me this mountain. I want this mountain. I want this hill. And if God's with me, we'll take it. That's the attitude that we need to have. And how could I not mention Joseph? The Lord used Joseph as a young man because of trust and his loyalty to God Almighty. He was sold as a young man by his brothers who despised him and hated him and wanted to kill him, but we've talked out of that, but then they sold him into slavery. We see him rise up in Potiphar's house. We see in Potiphar's house that Potiphar's wife made advances to Joseph. Joseph is in a strange place. No one would have known if he'd have given into it, none of his family would have known it. But he realized that God would know it. And he was of such character that as he lived his life, he knew that God was watching over him. And I'm sure that he had some difficulties in his life as he was sold into slavery and in a place that I'm sure that he did not want to be. But yet, the Lord was with him. And he remembered the Lord in everything that he did. And he didn't give in to those advances. And he ended up being cast into prison. Another example for young people today that just because mom and dad don't know where you're at or don't know what you're doing, you know what you're doing and you know God knows what you're doing. And so be determined to do the right thing no matter what. Be that example. Make a difference not only that will affect your life today, can affect others in the future. We're still talking about Joseph thousands of years later. And then he was put back in prison, and eventually he rose up in Potiphar, or in uh, Pharaoh's house, where he became second in command only to Pharaoh. And then those brothers that sold him into slavery came to see Joseph, because they needed corn. And eventually they got corn and Joseph was revealed to them, and then their father died. And they were afraid that Joseph was going to get even. But Joseph remembered who his master was. He remembered his purpose in life. That all those bad things that happened had happened for a reason. It had gotten him into the position that he was in. And he told his brothers when they came and told him that their father, you know, wanted them to wanted him to treat them kindly. Joseph said, Am I God? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What an attitude to have. How many of us look at some of the difficulties that we go through in this life and see that it accomplished good, that there were good things that came out of it? Joseph is a tremendous example for us of how to make a difference in people's lives. And how many of us look at Joseph and say, I want to be like Joseph. I want to have that attitude. Again, many passages of Scripture that we would love to look at concerning Joseph, but we don't have time. And then there's Esther. A woman that we studied about not too long ago in our Wednesday evening class. You see, the Lord used Esther because she was willing to sacrifice her life for God's purpose and His people. Esther knew that God gave her beauty, and everything to her was for His glory and not her own. She was there for a reason. And Esther showed great wisdom and courage and discernment by warning the king, her husband, of a plot against his life. She risked her life even going into the king. That's hard for us to even picture a wife that's going to go into her husband and has to be afraid that she's going to be put to death if he doesn't offer the, the scepter to her. But that was the situation that she was in. And Esther gave the credit for the deliverance of her people and her life to God instead of using it for her own glory. And that's really the difference that we see in many people in the the Old and in the New Testament. That it wasn't their glory that was to to be accomplished, it was God's glory. That these individuals were used by God to serve a purpose and to glorify His name. And because Esther was willing to sacrifice her life by going into the king and telling him what was going to happen, she saved his people, God's people, from certain death. And she's an example for young people today and for others, all of us, to realize that there are times that we may have to put our life on the line. And we may have to stand up and maybe we, we lose a job or maybe we lose something else. But Esther was willing to do it and she's a tremendous example for us. We can look in 1 Samuel and we can see that David, when he was young, he believed God could use him to conquer all kinds of giants. And we know that on occasions that David uh, ran out into the battle to confront Goliath. And when he confronted Goliath, what did he say? He'd killed a bear, he'd killed a lion with his own hands. And he wasn't afraid to to, to stand up to Goliath. Why? Because Goliath had had defiled the armies of God. God's people. And David faced and defeated that lion and that bear because he knew that God had given him great strength and the skill that he could use to glorify God. You can read that in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David faced and defeated that lion and that bear because God had given him that strength. And so he was willing to go up against Goliath with just a sling and five stones because he knew that God was with him. You see, David was chosen by God to be the king of Israel because he was willing to build God's kingdom as opposed to his own kingdom. He realized where and what his purpose was. Did he make mistakes? Yes, he made mistakes. He made some awful mistakes. But he was a man after God's own heart, the Bible tells us. And he stood up to that Goliath and he killed him with a stone and a sling and Goliath's own sword. A man who stood over nine feet tall can you imagine an individual like that God can use us he can use all of us another example in second kings chapter 5 have your bible turn over there In 2 Kings chapter 5, it says, And now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because of him, or for by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Here we're talking a man of great caliber, great strength, great reputation, strong, powerful, but he was a leper. In verse 2, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Here's a young girl who's been taken away from her parents or taken into this situation as a captive. What would you do in that situation? What would you do? Would you be happy? Would you be angry? What would be your reaction? Well, I don't know how she started off, but I know that there's something different about this young lady. Because next it says, verse 3, And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is in the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. This young girl doesn't hold back, she has trust and faith in God. Even in the situation as a captive, she's willing to. Tell Naaman where he needs to go in order to be healed. Do you think that took faith? Do you think what do you think might have happened to her if that wasn't true? He went. And if you read the rest of the story, you know that he became angry because he didn't kind of get the response that he thought he should get from the prophet and he became angry. And sometimes we get upset with what God's Word says because we don't like the message. And sometimes we talk to people about becoming a Christian and they don't like the message. And sometimes people get caught up in sin and you tell them what they're doing wrong and you show them what the Bible says and they don't want to hear that message. Naaman didn't want to hear the message that the prophet gave either. But guess what? He gave him the message that would cause him to be healed of his leprosy. It was an awful disease. And finally, he went after another person questioning that if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have done it? Of course he would have done it. But he was told to go dip in the Jordan seven times. And when he went, what's it say in verse 14? Then when he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the the man of God, and his flesh became again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Did this young maid cleanse Naaman of his leprosy? You know. But she told him how to get cleansed. Where to go to find out what he needed to do. You see, we don't take away people's sins. But we tell people how they can be cleansed, have their soul cleansed by the blood of Christ. And that's through obedience to the Gospel of Christ. And you may not think you're somebody great in the, in the kingdom of God, But if you share that precious message with someone, the Bible says you've got beautiful feet. What a blessing you are. And you can have an impact on the world. Not only in this generation, but what you do may cause that individual that you helped to see the light to teach others. Think about that. His flesh became clean as a little child. How soul, How clean does our soul become? When we go down in that watery grave of baptism and we come up because we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. Think about it. And then last, the Lord used his disciples. I try to imagine that many of them were very young, and they were willing to leave all and to follow Jesus, which is what we've been talking about quite a bit this year, that we need to follow Jesus, the real Jesus. And they left what they had immediately. Peter, Andrew, James, and John left their families and their profession to follow Jesus. And the Bible tells us, i got partial verses up there on the screen, but they tell us that they did it immediately. But the Lord used that group to tell us and to show us what we're to do in the Lord's church. That Peter preached that first sermon on the day of Pentecost and the other apostles preached And because of that sermon, what was preached and what they heard, and their obedience to that message, the Lord's church began. And then we see in other passages of Scripture of how it's to be molded, how it's to be shaped, the pattern that God wants us to follow in that church. And So the church that Jesus said He would build, He used those disciples to teach us that message. And then others that they taught shared that gospel message with us. I think we get the idea that we don't have to be someone great in the kingdom of God to do great things. But we should be happy to know how God has blessed us with abilities to speak, to do. To go out into the world and take that message so that people can hear the good message and be saved. Whether you're young or old, the primary purpose for us is to plant that seed so that the church, the kingdom, can grow. And that we can grow as individuals when we put God's Word in our heart. As a Christian, our hope is not dependent upon what the world does. We can look out there and it may be a sad situation. But as Christians, we should be happy inside. The joy should be in our soul. A song should be there in our heart. Why? Because of all the things that the Lord has done for us. He is our help. He's our help in good times and in bad times. He's our hope not only in this life but in the life to come. So what about you? Are you making a difference? Because we can see some of these individuals and you know they did tremendous things. Some of them are well-known people, others they're not so well known. But they all did something great. My friend, all of us can do something great if we're doing something for the kingdom of God. You don't have to be a superstar. You can be just little old you. I can be just little old me. The star is God. His Word. That message that Jesus came to this earth and died for our sins and was buried and He arose victorious over the grave. That's the message. Because Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 tells us that it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And there's where the power's at. It's not in our ability. But what we do, we do to glorify God. Because that's what Jesus tells us. To let our light so shine that may, men may see Your good works and glorify Your Father which is in heaven. I, I encourage all of us to be that dispenser of hope to those that are lost, to those that have lost their way, to remind them of what God has done and what He can do for you. Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine and verse eleven tells us, "For I know the thoughts that I think, or, for I know the thoughts I think toward you," saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God wants the best for us. That doesn't mean we're going to be wealthy and healthy. That just means that He wants the best for us. And the best is what's coming in the hereafter. But right now we have God's help. And we have that hope. Do you have that hope? Because if you're not a Christian, you have no hope of heaven. Now, Jesus came and died so that you could have that home in heaven. He tells us what we need to do in order to have that hope, and that is to believe and be baptized. He tells us that before we can be baptized, we have to have that faith. We have to believe that He is the Son of God, that He died for our sins, that He rose victorious over the grave. We have to turn away from our sins, repent, and stop doing those things that are wrong not based upon what we think is wrong, but on what God's Word tells us is wrong. And start doing the things that are right. It's not enough just to stop doing those things. We've got to start doing the right things. And the first thing that is right is to confess the name of Christ, that He is the Son of God, and then be buried with our Lord of Baptism making a commitment that we're going to live a faithful life in service to Him. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. Some of these individuals that we looked at, they weren't perfect either. But God's our help. And He'll help us to be what He wants us to be when we surrender our life and allow Him to mold us into what He wants us to be. So this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sit.